What's up, everyone? Welcome to Narrative Calculus, the podcast show where we analyze everything from movies to TV shows, books, musicals, and everything in between. I'm Jonathan, a filmmaker, and this is... Titus, a wannabe writer. Wait, did I just say my name? Dang it! Beep it! Beep it, Jonathan! Quick! Titus, a wannabe writer. Excuse (laughs) me! And today, we're reviewing a movie based on one of the, I guess, most influential books of the past 10 years, I'd say, as, as in with kids anyway, Diary of a Wimpy Kid, the first one, the 2010 movie that's become a fan favorite. Hasn't it, Ty? I know it's one of your favorite movies, isn't it? Uh, if you define favorite as one of the ones that I dislike the most, sure, sure, I, I th- my favorite, one of my favorites. Well, Ty, since it's one of your favorites, I'll put you on the spot here. You want to give us a quick plot summary? On the whole, this movie is kind of uh, a hot mess, I guess the best way of putting it is. This is this is a good example of the problems that go into translating a very exposition-heavy movie or book, like Diary of a Wimpy Kid, into a movie. And you'll see what we mean by that when we get to the plot structure. Um, I generally agree that it wasn't definitely wasn't amazing. But I don't think it was incredibly bad. I think that I agree with Ty that this the structure wasn't very good and the characters were besides Greg virtually non existent. But I don't know, there's just something about him that where I don't know, we, we can just relate to him so much, and for me, that, that relation and seeing him kind of evolve, at least in the end, even if it wasn't a very good arc, is enough to salvage a, a good chunk of the movie for me. All right. So, Ty, you want to... Yeah, uh, yeah, quick... yeah. The movie begins with this um, interesting opening where we have Greg Hoffman. <laughs> is that his name? Did I just mess it up? Yeah, it's it's Greg Heffley. Yeah, Greg Hoffman, Greg Heffley, uh, Percy Johnson. The movie begins with Harry Potter. I mean, Percy Johnson. I mean, Greg Hoffman. I mean, Greg Heffley. Um, worrying about middle school. He gets his brother wakes him up. He he goes he goes downstairs, pours milk all over himself, trying to get ready, and then he discovers. That it's 4 a.m. and he just woke everybody up in the house and Roger gets away scot-free. This basically describes, like, everything in the movie in one scene. Like, uh, I, I think it's a perfect representation of what you're going to get from this movie. Namely to say zero zero resolution, pointless conflicts, lots of toilet humor. Um... <laughs> that, uh, that was something I was going to say, though. This is like... It, it was the perfect scene to establish basically everything that the movie's going to be. You know, it, it, you know, it establishes and... characters in the tone. Wink, wink, Prince of Egypt. Continue, Ty. <laughs> and that's actually one thing I do agree with. Although, I do have a serious problem with such an excellent opening in that they immediately shoot themselves in the foot by immediately having a five-minute exposition scene where he talks about his entire life. But we'll get to that later in the plot section. So he's... Yeah. He's fairly worried about middle school, etc., etc. He goes to the boys' bathroom door and finds out that there's no stall door, and he's going to have to, again, like, all, all perfectly in tone. Yeah. During PE class, him and his best bud 
escape from this game called Gladiator, which I'm pretty sure would be considered child abuse. Like, they, they separate them into teams, and Lord of the Fly style have the older kids start, or larger kids start going after the little littler kids. Like, this is how you, this is how you create a bunch of Spartans right here. This is, this is pretty messed up. Um... So they talk to this lady girl. We get an introduction to her about uh, where the author basically uses her as a soapbox for their own <laughs> views on the school system, which I don't necessarily disagree with. Just I find it amusing. Um, then they go out and they find this mysterious piece of moldy cheese. And there's this whole horror story about how... Anybody who touches it becomes cursed with the cheese touch. And the only way is to pass it on to somebody else. The only way to stop being an outcast. Right? Um, yeah. So basically, it's that becomes the MacGuffin of the entire story. Just, just picture James Bond, right? But instead of like a nuclear bomb, you have a piece of really gross moldy cheese stuck to the pavement. Yeah. In again, there's no, eating the, there's no eating of the nuclear bombs too in James Bond's rating factor. In case you couldn't tell, this movie, it, it it's pretty much the same thing for most of the movie. Like, it, it, if if you enjoyed this section of the review, you're going to enjoy the whole movie. If you didn't enjoy this 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 part of the review so far, you're probably not going to enjoy the movie. Yeah. So. The next day, Greg signs up for wrestling. He gets beaten up by this really gross dude called Fregley, who was uh, introduced earlier in the story by showing off his freckled uh, belly and how it has a hair on it and how he wants to name it. And he... shenanigans, shenanigans. They go on Halloween he scratches up a bunch of teenagers' cars who return later to try to exact child abuse vengeance on him. Yeah. Uh, they join the safety patrol. I don't even know what that is. Is that a real thing in schools? I, I, I honestly have no idea, but I would not be surprised if it is. Okay, okay. So... I'll tell you, though, just to um show you kind of how big a deal that... um diary of a wimpy kid was that like like we were like um kind of dumb in school I, I know most people are and, and i know that's something most people won't say uh, they'll look back at their school selves and be like wow i was a well-rounded mature person i know that's that's definitely what i'm gonna say later but um <laughs> uh, th that was actually a thing though like all of us had read diary of a wimpy kid and what would happen is if one of us had cheese in one of our sandwiches at lunchtime we would just randomly touch each other and say oh you've got the cheese touch and we just do that for absolutely no reason and looking back on it i'm quite ashamed because that was yeah it, it's not a good look i'll just tell you that but sorry continue <laughs> it could be worse you could have been you could have like tossed a piece of cheese onto the ground to try to replicate the movie leave it there <laughs> for a couple months you know <laughs> yeah, that, that... yeah I'm, I'm glad we didn't do that by the way, speaking of past history, my experience with the book, I remember reading it when I was way young, and then my mom reading through it herself and being like, no, you're not reading this, and then, <laughs> like, dumping it in the trash or something. 
like she she found the humor just so nasty. Like even even while I was watching it actually today, she was like, "Yeah, I I didn't let you read this, and I'm very glad that I did. <laughs> that I did. In fact, I'm kind of regretting letting you guys watch this movie too." <laughs> so, <laughs> well, actually, um, for for me, I wasn't introduced to Diary of a Wimpy Kid through the books. It was actually the movie. It was really? actually library. Yeah, and see, not this movie. Um, because. Uh, it was the second movie, Diary of a Wimpy Kid, Roger Rules, which is coming out soon. Spoiler alert. But, um, yeah, that was actually my first introduction to it. And because of that, I've read every single book numerous times. And actually, now that you're talking about parents, I when, when I would like... So what I would do is basically go... It was like when I would read Diary of a Wimpy Kid. And I still do this because it's actually pretty funny. And I just go over like the funniest parts, and my parents and I would read it, and I'd show it to them. And some of it, because of like, uh, I don't know, but I don't know if it was just the writer or some of the humor in the books really does appeal to adults. Also, like they would just be laughing and laughing. So that was that was my introduction to it. But I think that's that's enough for now. So you want to go over the first character, and really the only character, Greg? Well, hold on. We should probably finish up with the rest of the plot summary, right? Oh, summary, yeah. Right? Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. I thought shenanigans kind of wrapped up. Okay, keep going. Yeah. So, Safety Patrol, there's this whole thing with the cartoonist, and this, like, sparks the beginning of the end for Rally and Greg's friendship. Don't know who Rally is? Good. Because I didn't either. I didn't pay attention until, like, it beca that became a major part of the movie. So, they're best friends or something, and they both try out for the school cartoonist paper thing. Also, Greg accidentally breaks Rowley's arm, which is interesting. But, uh, <laughs> so... Now, I'm still not clear what they were trying to do there. Yeah, I was really confused about that. Like, what was the goal there? Yeah, yeah, I was like, was it to catch the football or to hit the other person and knock them off? They never establish what they were even trying to do i i basically dismissed it as 12 year olds are weird for me <laughs> like you know the logic behind those games uh so yeah rowley wins the chance to become the cartoonist for that thing uh during a safety patrol assignment greg is walking some kindergartners down a neighborhood street but panics when he when that truck full of teenagers comes around, but he's spotted by the neighbor, and the neighbor thinks that it's a rally. So the neighbor later calls in, like, uh, because Greg dropped the kids in a hole, like, to avoid the teenagers. Yeah, I, I w that's not very advisable. But uh, <laughs> if you're taking care of young children, guys, um, do not drop them in a construction hole. Is not recommended. <laughs> I not recommend have tried did not it's, two out of ten would not recommend um two out of uh, ten <laughs> but anyway greg is spotted by the neighbor and the neighbor calls up the school and is like yo what is up with your student dropping people dropping children into a construction hole so rowley takes the blame for it because the neighbor thought that greg was the was uh rowley and basically, Greg eventually confesses the truth, and he's trying to off it as a joke rather than just straight up apologize. And yeah. 
Rowley just says, you're not a good friend. You do not, you are not good for me. Like, <laughs> let's, I'm just saying, let's be honest. All of us, when we were that age, or a bit younger, at one time or another, tried to off another person's injury as a joke. Haven't we? I know Listen, that I, I've, I've, I've done that, yeah. Like, when I, I was know, much younger. I, yes, I know, I, I think that everyone has done that at some point. I mean, it just seems like such a common thing. Right, but uh, eventually, so the truth comes out, and Greg is dismissed from the safety patrol thing, and Rowley is reinstated as team captain and finds a new best friend. <laughs> so Greg, and his genius, decides to pursue popularity um, by joining the school's uh, theater thing of The Wonderful Wizard of Oz. And I've got to say, they perfectly captured why Greg was picked. Like, they didn't need to make Greg an exceptional singer. They just had everybody else, like, sing horribly. Like, in the most... I will say this. Some of the jokes were pretty great, and that scene, like, stood out to me as just really hilarious. All of them singing this well-known pop song in the most horrible... Like, singing out of their their range, singing in the wrong key... Just all over the place. Wrong beat, wrong rhythm. And Greg doesn't isn't like a miracle worker, but he can stay on pitch. <laughs> and like uh and he's uh, offered the role of Dorothy. Yep. And funnily enough, I think in theater culture this actually isn't too unusual. But um they they right. managed to capture the incredulity, huh? I was I was surprised. I didn't know that's what it was actually like being in theater. Yeah, well, I've t- I've listened to a few theater people, and like when they describe cross dressing for a role, it's really not unusual at all. It's like just another part of being in theater. Um, but anyway, <laughs> this plot summary is taking forever. Speed along, blah, 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 Anyway, during the performance, Greg realizes that his older brother is videotaping him, and he panics, and the this other girl is, like, really, really mean, and we don't, we don't remember her from before, but we do all of a sudden. This girl, Patty, he starts throwing apples at her, and it just turns into this all-out war, and Greg be- gets beaten up by a girl. Yep. <laughs> That is... decide at your discretion whether or not to cut this Jonathan um I honestly I yearn I, I firmly believe in gender equality I think Greg should have just immediately like went full on violence against little girls just gender equality for the win be equal <laughs> all around yeah at, at your discretion decide whether or not to cut that <laughs> I, I, I won't cut it I won't cut it Okay, that was a joke. That was a joke, guys. Okay, I don't seriously think that. Please don't. Please don't oh, think I'm serious? serious about. What? I thought you were serious. No, I am kidding, man. <laughs> okay, we've discovered a lot of things about. You know, th- this just proves to me you don't have little sisters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we've discovered the truth. Jonathan is not a. He he believes in violence against small children. The truth is out, everybody. Okay. <laughs> but uh, Greg ends up attending this school's mother-son dance. 
Um, I think he, they should have they should have organized a dance routine. I'm not gonna lie. Like, um, anyway, and you know it's actually funny. One of the weaknesses of this style of humor, many of the best jokes aren't a part of the story. There's these little aside moments instead. Like, there's this hilarious scene where Rowley and his mom start doing a full-on dance routine, right? That's <laughs> really completely unnecessary to the story, right? But yeah, it's one of the funniest jokes in the show. But it doesn't hit quite as hard because it's not a part of the story. Um, You, you know, like, imagine a, a hilarious twist where, for some reason somebody's pride is on the line or something ridiculous like that, or maybe there's a bet or and it somehow links back into the greater story over who can dance yeah. the best. That would have been an easy way to integrate it, and it would have made the scene much more memorable because it was actually important to the story. But uh, way off topic. Uh, so he tries to talk to Rowley and reconcile, but he's rejected. So later on at recess... They confront each other again, and they're encouraged to fight. And, you know, they look like flailing iguanas. Flailing. <laughs> <laughs> Never heard that term before. Flailing iguanas. Yeah. The, the teenage boys from the Halloween arrive at the scene and force Rally to eat part of the moldy cheese. And <laughs> the school's PE teacher comes along. He, he tosses those teenagers out. The other kids notice that the cheese has been eaten, and Greg finally gets his redemptive moment when he lies and says, yeah, redemptive moment and lie. Okay, let's just stick those two words together. And uh, he says, I ate the cheese. And he also makes some uh, absurd, nonsensical, uh, you know, heartfelt speech, uh, mending their friendship, uh... Greg has the cheese, cheese touch now, and it's uh, it's dumb. Uh, and that's pretty much the story. Wow. Side note. Side note. When you say it all at once, this is an hour and 30, but it feels like there's so much happening because, like, it's so loosely connected. It just feels like there's so... There's just a huge amount of events, but they're all passed over so quickly within the movie itself. Yeah. Well, that was that was quite a plot summary. Thank yeah. you, Ty. <sighs> so, I think we should probably go over the characters now, starting with Greg. Okay. So when this movie starts out, he's just like an absolute dirtbag. He really is. He really is. Yeah. But um, so from my point of view, there. I mean, Ty disagrees with me, and we talked about this a little bit earlier, but to me, when the script throws things at him, like all these different situations, like having, you know, a super awful older brother, <laughs> not like I'm one of those, and, um, you know, having all these like bad things, like getting beaten wrestling by a girl or being like one of the smallest kids there, we're just like able to relate to him and we're able to feel for the struggles that he has like that that are just out of his control and for me at least it's enough of a that's enough to get me invested in his character at least a little bit so i don't know ty you just want to tell the audience what you thought of that so let me let me make sure i'm understanding you right basically 
the situations are relatable enough that they're able to overcome how much of a pain the character is, huh? Or did I misinterpret you? Yeah. Yep. Oh, that. Not not oh, not, that... not not like fully, but at least get us a little invested. Hmm. It's enough for me to get invested. Not enough for me to think he's like likable or anything, but. So in general, anti-heroes, and you know it's funny. Like I really enjoy anti, and I mean traditional anti-heroes, as in people who are unintelligent or a hero who is unintelligent or weak or cowardly. I enjoy that conflict in a story. But what killed it for me is that I think it's the rate of growth that really killed it off for me. Like, if they could have made him a total dirtbag during the first half, and if we had at least started getting hints, like, and I'm not talking about merely talking. I'm talking about actions which show that underneath all that there's a glimmer of potential for real goodness right mm -hmm. if we had gotten that then i feel like i could have been a lot more sympathetic i could have been willing to really stick with him until the end and root for him and say i i really hope this dude manages to overcome his issues but mm -hmm. it it took they it took so long and they kept on stringing us along that for me I just, I was rooting for him to get shot out of a cannon by about the end. You know, I, I, I hated literally everybody in that movie. And part of it is, I think, personality. There is no life outside of, like, he has no hobbies, no nothing. And the story even comments on that as, like, a joke, right? That, uh, you know, he, he doesn't do anything of his own volition or... He doesn't uh, have any, and, and those few hobbies that he does take up, like wrestling, are for the sole purpose of getting him popular. Like, at the very least, have does he not have fun? I'm, Roderick was more compelling to me, at the very least, because he he enjoyed playing music, or at least he seemed to in that movie, just from those few seconds where he's playing with his band. So. Well I want to bring up this one quote that that's that comes to my head when you say that, um, and about his character in general. Do you know the quote? If you don't like someone, it reminds you about something you don't like about yourself. Um, I mean, yeah, but that—that's kind of how that... I feel about his character. Like, I think that I'm sympathetic toward him a bit because I think I see parts of myself and things or at least part of who I was, in Greg. And I think it's fair to say that a lot of the things even he gets himself into isn't, like, super uncommon. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he's, like, a super dirtbag, but it's kind of like if you take, like, the worst parts of really anybody and you just amplify him by, like, times five. You know, five or ten, just amplify the worst parts of anybody – and basically, you'll get Greg. So I think that's another reason why I was kind of sympathetic towards him because we can, at least I can. I'm not going to speak for anyone else, but I can see parts of myself in Greg or who I was, and even am right now, so that, you know, not all of us like a lot and that we try to, like, get better at and grow towards. So I think that's 
I think that's something they were able to capture well about him. Yeah. To a certain extent, I can I can agree. Like at first glance, like during the first 10 or so minutes, you can you can feel a sort of kinship towards him and how he constantly shoots himself in the own uh, in his own foot. Kind of like how Charlie Brown continuously runs towards the football, right? And you know and he knows that he's not going to hit it and he knows that it's just going to leave him flat on his back. And I know the more, the analogy isn't 100% because Charlie Brown is actually a decent guy. Um, but any any kinship or sympathy I felt with him just got stamped out once I real once uh it was just the sheer degree of it. Like there were neat, there were zero redeeming qualities. There was nothing interesting about him. And you know, it's actually funny. No, you can avoid the redeeming qualities if he's at least interesting enough. Like um, yeah. a good a good example of this is Mighty Duck, right? I di- I didn't like how Mighty Duck ended, but in the movie, the main character is a snarky, just total dirtbag. He is a horrible person. He 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 like shouts at small children and is t- and is really sarcastic towards small children, but it's so absurd that to some to, that you're that you can actually overlook that right. In this, I just can't find anything e- even interesting, not even positive, just interesting about him. And it's and it's so overwhelming that I can't sympathize with him at all. I definitely see where you're coming from. He wasn't... Besides his flaws, there was really nothing that defined him as a character. Basically, his... Everything about him was how how much of a jerk and how much he messed up all the time. So, I, I can see where you're coming from. Besides that, I think it's... For me, it was satisfying at the end to see him be redeemed in something about the redemption. So, basically, Ty talked about it. So... He gives this whole speech about it, but I don't know. It, it it felt right to me because like his whole up to that point, his whole goal in life was to be popular, and he, I I know, I know what you're gonna say that it should have been, it should have grown into it, should happen like at the midpoint started or something, but still like to see him like throw that all away in the most destructive way possible, like eating down the, the cheese, cheese touch, which is the absolute, which is the absolutely which is like the absolute opposite of anything even remotely to do with popularity, to save his best friend from humiliation. I don't know. It really did. And seeing kind of like how he... And not necessarily acknowledging it, because that wouldn't have been really in character for him, but kind of like doing something to show that he's, he's changed in that. I don't know. It just... It felt good to me. Like, I think that was a... It, it, the redemption was it was pretty good for me at least you want to talk about what you thought of it summed up i just thought it was too little too late pretty mm-hmm. i i like the idea of eating the cheese i think that was his strongest moment but it happened so quickly part of it is the execution it feels like it happened so quickly especially compared to how long he's been just acting like a massive you know um Yeah, it just wasn't very satisfying to me. 
Well, you know, I think that Greg is a very universal character. He can be interpreted in different ways, which is, I think, what makes the book so successful. But So is there anything else you have on Greg, or can we move on? Yeah, let's move on. Okay. Um, I'm just going to list off the different people here. Angie was, I think, probably the second most interesting character to me, just because the the conflict of beliefs she had with Greg. It never really evolved into anything except Greg, basically her being um, right. And I think it, I think it could have been really interesting to have her be kind of like a antagonistic but in the right kind of character, and to see them come their beliefs come into conflict again and again. In in I know it kind of happened, but. I don't, in a more developed way, it would have actually been really cool. I don't know. What, what would you think of that? I, I agree 100%. And that's part of what irritated me. He didn't overcome anybody here. There was no, there was nobody who was battling him every step of the way. Yeah. Um, in, instead, he's basically... And to a certain extent, like there are some stories where that works, like where the goal is the antagonist is himself but in that case it needs to be pretty clear that um he considers himself his own antagonist right like when he looks in the mirror he says that's my enemy right there even if he doesn't say that in oh so many words so in here there was just no clearly defined and there there were like the teenagers but do they really count yeah yeah there were again just plot devices so um uh rowley was literally just a plot device. There was not one interesting thing that happened to his character. He has absolutely no motivations. He's literally just like, I don't know, maybe if you like, kind of like when you like take a stick and you just throw it in a river and you just see it just go by. And it was like, <laughs> like it's just like so, I'm going to borrow a phrase from Ty, utterly inane and just boring to watch him the whole time because he's just so uninteresting. And he just, it's pretty disappointing to see that he was the cause for Greg's change. And you talked about that. You want to talk about that a bit more? What do you mean? The. Oh, well, what you were telling me before about how, and like, like the, um, Rowley, he was just like basically brushing up against Rowley and it wasn't like, you know, he didn't really cause him to change at all. Remember that? Um. The good and the bad romances? Oh, right, 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 right. Well, I mean, you basically just summed it up. He's he's just a plot device. He doesn't have any uh, one thing that I would have liked would have liked to see instead of Rowley being this nerd, right? How about he's like from the start, he's this super self-confident like uh like the opposite of basically everything that Greg is, right? Whereas Greg is unmotivated, you know, untalented, etc., etc. Well, I guess they did have a little bit of that, but it felt really contrived because his talent, quote-unquote, was getting injured by having his bones broken and cartooning. Which, I mean, like, we're... And here's the problem. It's an informed talent as well. Like, uh... You, you see this in stories? Um... The Mary Zoo, which is a master of tactics, right? And they don't explain any of the brilliant tactics that go into it. They just say, Mary Zoo was a 
brilliant master of tactics. Her brilliant tactics were so brilliant that she was able to defeat the enemy with her brilliant tactics. She used the tactics to defeat the enemy. That's the same feeling you get from hearing Rowley won the cartoonist competition. Because you're sitting there along with Gre Greg thinking to yourself, how did he win that? <laughs> like I know, it wasn't, yeah. Yeah, it, it wasn't funny. Zooey mama. We should end the podcast like that. Zooey mama. Okay, so if that's everything on Rowley, um, oh, by the way, the what he says to, um, I just wanted to throw this in there because it was so funny. What he says, so when Bryce is walking by and he's like, hey, hey, Bryce, and he, Rowley's like, yeah, hey, Bryce, cute, but. Oh, gosh. Oh, that made me, that, that was so horrible. I, I felt like, I felt like running out into the garage and just, like, jumping on a field of spikes or something. That was so bad. <laughs> that was just, I don't know, that was, that was so cringy, yet hilarious at the same time. I and just, just imagine I, yourself in that situation being Greg. Right. That, uh, that, that should be, that should have been, like, um, that one situation should have been like redemption alone to explain why all of his bad actions, that one situation should have like, oh, that was, that was so bad. Um, well, if that's it for Raleigh, I guess we can go on to Roderick. Um, wow. He is such a fan favorite these days. I'm, I'm glad he's getting the love he deserves. <laughs> his opinions on school are actually pretty accurate in his situation. Like, like, if you're not going to be a scientist, why are you going to Science Olympiad and wasting your time on that? Or if you're not, if you don't want to be a lawyer, then why are you wasting your time going to a mock trial? Like, what are the, if you don't want to be a photographer or a writer, why are you going to newspaper? Like, I completely agree. If, you're, if that's not your goal, then what's the point of all these school excursions? Like, why would you put in more work than you have to for something you don't even want to do voluntarily? You see what I mean? Because it's fun? <laughs> No, but I mean, like, no, no, like, assuming that you don't, like, really enjoy that thing. Because I can, like, would, I mean, would you enjoy going to Science Olympiad? No, but that's... I know. <laughs> but, I mean, I know that some people do, or at least they enjoy the, the victory, the... Or they enjoy the thinking of it, of coming to a solution. I mean, like, I, I I play musical instruments. I don't plan to be a musician. And, I mean, I, I want to play music to the point where I can play highly complicated classical pieces. Not like some kind of casual hobby. Right? But, uh... But you don't I, want to be a musician. Yeah. And it's not yeah. as if... And it's not as if I enjoy the process while it's happening. Sitting there playing scales up and down isn't exactly exciting. You know? Yeah, yeah. But there are parts of it that... Yeah. I don't know. I thought that his views were pretty interesting, and I agree. Um... Besides that, he was basically just a barrel of laughs from start to finish, and that was didn't really he didn't get much more development th than that. Wait till the second movie though. 
Roderick rules. Do you have anything on Roderick? Anything else you'd like to mention? No. As a no. big as a big brother to yourself, do you see any of yourself in Roderick? Absolutely none. Like if I met if I met somebody like that in real life, I would punch them in the face for being such an awful person. Like your your job is to uplift and protect your your little brother. Little I I'm <laughs> Yeah, I I don't I I see absolutely zero of my well a little bit. I do enjoy torturing my little brothers to the point of absurdity, but uh I don't know. He takes it you never like, what, like what would I say would happen if you came in my room again or anything like? I that, don't have or... my own room. <laughs> but like, we're this house is way too small for that man. <laughs> like, you like... don't. I don't know. I can like I can appreciate his persistence in um not letting his little brother wrong him and get away with it, which is something that I see in myself very very. Very near and dear to my heart. That's something that <laughs> relate to to a T. And I just figured since you and I are both big brothers, we connect on that level. But I guess not. Okay. Um. Besides that, there was basically his mom and dad. His dad. Oh man. His dad is just. He he's just such a great character. Not not like a great character, but every scene he's in, it's just like so. He's just so delightful. He's so funny. I don't know. He's just able to lift up any scene he's in, like, times ten. And I just think that's... And most of it is probably due to the performance. I think that the actor who was playing him, Steve Zan, he just did an amazing job with that portrayal. It's and odd. Like, I, I can see... I can see... I, I know people like that with that same kind of attitude in real life. And I, I yeah. think that's part of why I enjoyed it. It's that... Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny. Did you notice at the beginning and he's like pointing at his wrist and he's like, four o'clock in the morning. That's actually that's actually like a running gag through the series of him like pointing to his wrist and like pretending there's a watch there and there's just <laughs> nothing. And it's actually it's actually pretty funny in other movies and I and like like I'll like me and my family will do that sometimes like ooh I gotta go and you just don't you don't have anything on your wrist I don't know that was just that was one of the one of the funny moments I liked um that's all the characters basically so you wanna go on to the plot sure sure okay so I really like the first sequence obviously we talked about it I think it establishes the tone the characters really Greg's whole life situation very well um but. The biggest problem I had with the plot in general was the Halloween sequence and the teenagers coming and making them eat the cheese. Like, that just felt like the most... Convoluted? Yeah, just... Like, and if you could, if you cut the Halloween scene out of the movie entirely and you rework a little bit with the teenagers and just make it something else, you could have, like, cut the whole thing. You know? And it's the same thing with, like, I guess, the same thing with, um, Fregley's house. I guess, uh, like, you were talking about the plot being loose earlier. I, th I feel like a lot of these loose ends are meaningless, and when they don't make up for it in basically comedy, I guess, 
then they just feel super out of place. Because, you know, in the end, this movie is a comedy. So, I don't know. What did you think of that? Those, like, sequences? Yeah. Part of it was... I, I agree 100%. It's just that there was... And this is part of the problem with having no... There was no central goal. Like, not... There was no concrete goal. He had an abstract goal of trying yes. to of trying to become the most popular kid in school. But there was no active Well, there was that one scene with um the play thing, right? But that barely takes up, you know, one sixth or one seventh of the movie. That's not a central part of it. That's about all he does in guards in regards to actively pursuing his goal of becoming the most popular. So, without that to tie it together, it just ends up feeling like a bunch of loose vignettes. I almost feel like it could have worked as maybe like a short TV show instead. I think that would have made a lot more sense. You mean like, how, how many episodes are you thinking? Yeah, there aren't enough scenarios, so I would say like six or seven episodes per per book. Hmm. Yeah, I guess that would, I guess that would have been interesting. And you would have had. Oh, oh sorry. Yeah, continue. Oh, uh, you continue. You continue. No, no, that's fine. That's fine. Well, and had it been a TV show, they would have had a lot more room to maneuver for, if they really want the teenagers to be responsible for. As the antagonist, for whatever reason, I don't. I don't know why they should just swap it out entirely, but. Uh, like, maybe they could have done some kind of rivalry. They could have had the space to do some kind of rivalry with Roderick. And, like, uh, maybe they're a competing band, huh? Maybe they're a competing band. And so you actually open up this... You open up this possibility for, in, for sibling... For, like, the sibling rivalry to cool off for a bit because they're united in their attempt to... <laughs> like, you know, he finds out that they scratched his... That they scratched the... Uh, opposing band's car right they do yeah. that and that's what sets off the whole thing and then he's like you did good you did good kid and then he gives him like a snickers bar or something puts his hand on his shoulder you got spirit kid <laughs> and it's shout out shout, and shout, it's shout out shout out to a friend of mine real quick i'm gonna send this to you uh and like, instead of the P.E. teacher being the one to help resolve the conflict, Roderick comes in with his own gang, and the other guys are scared off. Like, that would have been interesting. Um, and, and you see, like, there's a lot of opportunities. They could have tied all of this together, even with the whole ridiculous thing with the teenagers being the antagonist. There's a, there was a lot of opportunity, but it's very... as it, In its current state, it's extremely loose. There's really nothing to give it any purpose or forward forward momentum that's the word i'm looking for it's just it's one event to the next um for no reason and you don't know why and we don't know what's happening and so we don't care so another thing that i wasn't oh actually no sorry that i was a fan of was that part where um rowley's jacket and uh the thing you were talking about with the uh, um kindergartners right so rowley's having to give greg his jacket because he forgot it and he can't get his cast wet was actually a really great plot device that it was 
it felt like so... I don't it just stuck out to me because it was so believable, but also absurd to a certain level. That all the pieces would align just so. You know what I mean? Like it feels like the kind it feels like real life, but like the most extreme case of real life, you know? I just thought that they did a really good job coming up with that. But I'm the, the and the thing about that whole Rowley's jacket, you know, terrorizing the kindergartners, I'm surprised that Rowley didn't figure out sooner what happened. That was something that surprised me. It's like, it it doesn't it, it's not that hard of a puzzle just to put the pieces together, right? I mean, it's right. Not, I don't know. That just stuck out to me. Um, a lot of the situations, obviously, we talked about were very relatable, especially the um, I'd say the 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 gym class. I can I can see that happening. But these, th- this movie is structured quite a bit better than the books. I will say that. The book, like, as, as random as this was, the book is, like, at least from what I remember. I haven't read them in a while, but from what I remember, they're even worse. Like, like there is absolutely, like, at least from what I remember. I may be wrong, but from what I remember, there's, like, no goals at all. It's literally just the diary of a wimpy kid there's no it's a journal it's not a diary jeez come on you're right okay i'm sorry the journal of a wimpy kid it really has no real structure at all it's it's funny which is why everyone reads it and it's relatable but besides that the story's just all over the place so they did improve on the books i'll give them that but again there wasn't like you said, just a lot of vignettes. So, do you want to move on to the... kind of already did that. Let's go to tone narrative tropes. I feel like they did... I For the, the tone of the movie, and the way that... They were really able to keep it in line the whole time. Like, it always felt really coherent. I mean, it did for me. Like, at least from, at a, from a filmmaking point of view, like, the whole thing just felt... I don't. It just felt very smooth. I mean, how, how, how? What did you think of it? What? Well, wait. Explain to me what you mean by felt very smooth. Well, I mean, like it didn't have all these like shifting tones where it's like you know super. Everything's like super great, and then it's like super. Terrible, and it wasn't like shifting like that. Like generally, the whole time it kind of just like, stayed pretty leveled off, and it didn't really. I don't know. It just didn't mix up your feelings in a bad way. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, I can agree with that. I can agree with that. It was the... And the the choice of tone as well. They picked a very... They picked a very strong tone of this constant dry amusement. Like, there's always something funny going on somewhere in this, in this movie, right? And... As much as I might dislike the rest of it, they did carry, they did follow through on that promise to us in the beginning of the movie that this was going to be an amusing book. Yeah. Okay, so um, I think that's just about it. If you have anything else on that section, no. Okay. Um, themes basically consisted of um 
and well, there there were like little ones here and there. Like I'd say, like that little thing between Roderick and his dad about like going out trying something new. I guess they had little minor themes here and there, and you know, the the barbaric nature of the middle school system or whatever. The barbaric like, nature. <laughs> I don't know. It just came to my mind. But besides that, it's basically be a good friend. Well, what stuck out to me was the belief of the only consistent thing seemed to be Greg was constantly trying to change both himself and his friend to suit, you know, to become the most popular. And when he ate that cheese, right, he was basically tossing that out the window. So I think what this film was really trying to communicate was, hey, everybody else is horrible. Ignore them, <laughs> you know? Um, be yourself. The be yourself thing, you know? Which I find very... Be yourself, though. Huh? I'm not sure if it was really, like, be yourself. I don't know. I, I guess you can look at it that way, but for me, the, the theme really came when the... um. With what happened after basically the midpoint when Rowley figures out that he doesn't like the popularity thing kind of like felt felt it seemed to fade oh in like it seemed seemed to become less and less important after the midpoint after that the relationship with Rowley and gaining that back and learning to be a good friend kind of like seemed more prevalent more at the forefront popular yeah than the popularity thing um i'd have to say though that his relationship with rally was built upon that theme though in that the whole reason why i collapsed in the first place is because greg was a narcissistic sociopath who refused to uh <laughs> greg was a narcissistic sociopath who refused to let anyone to ever take the blame on anything because he had to be the most well-liked and the most popular and the most etc etc yeah 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 i suppose you're right that's that's true um i guess if we're past that then we can go on to the the script and the acting if you don't have anything else to say the dialogue is actually really good it sounds like real kids talking. And I think, like, after seeing, you know, I have sisters who are 7, 9, and 12. At least I think. <laughs> and, after, and after seeing a lot of the TV shows they watch and movies or whatever, this really does nail the dialogue pretty well. Like to capture the way kids talk and think, they just they did a pretty good job. I don't know. There wasn't any any point where they. No. Yeah. Yeah. That's correct. It's just uh, there, there weren't any poop jokes where they tried to grab a piece of poop and like, shove it in each other's faces. That seems. That's 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 what the, that's what the good part is though, is that that doesn't. Is that that's what every other? No kids man, no man. I, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I, I I was mocking. I was mocking all those other movies that do that. You know, like because yeah. it's exactly what you said. Every other children's movie does that with so, with uh -huh. poop and pee humor, and I'm pretty over it. Although the moldy yep. cheese humor isn't much better. 
Yeah, yeah, I guess you're right. It does com- um, it does communicate the same thing pretty well though, and I will admit that. The performances were also really good. Like the whole cast was super believable. They were just so delightfully over the top and hilarious that specifically the family that I don't know. But whenever they came on the screen, I just I just love the acting. I know you're generally not don't have a whole lot to say on that. But yeah, I don't know. That's just something that stuck out to me. So, music and visuals. One thing that I will note is there were too many licensed songs in here, and it did get distracting at a certain point. Did that happen with you? Was it like, okay, I don't need to hear all these, like, I get it. Your budget was 75% music licensing, but <laughs> maybe maybe you could have used it on some better writers. <laughs> oh, oh, shots fired, shots um it did it did start it did start getting in the moment though you're distracted but afterwards it passes out of mind pretty quickly it is a weakness don't get me wrong that they could have put in something better there they could have put in something stronger but it wasn't necessarily a huge detraction for me um and it for the visuals, uh, if you notice, it kind of bugged me, but the highlights were just, like, super overexposed in, like, every shot where there were windows in. Like, every shot with windows is, like, this This just blinding white, and I don't know. I just wasn't a big fan of that. Usually don't you see that at, like, the beginning of those artsy-fartsy films, right, where, like, a man monologues about his life, and then the sun streams in through the window? Uh, do you have an example movie? No, just a, I, I've watched a fair amount of indie films, and they always do that for some reason. Like, this guy monologues, my life is meaningless. Well, sad <laughs> piano music plays in the background. I have nothing <laughs> to live for. And the camera zooms in on this window while the light fades in. No, I mean, like, just in general, there was just, I don't know, it was just kind of distracting to my eyes. I don't know if that's just me. Um, So if that's it, uh, quick thoughts. Wait, hold on. Muse- I-, I-, I wanted to talk about some other aspects of the music and visuals. Oh, sorry. sorry. One, thing that, one thing that stuck out to me, I'm not, and I wanted to ask you about this because you know visuals isn't really my strong point, but um, what did you think of the switching between animated style and live action? Um, for this, I think it's... And also the mixture of the two. That's where it really fell apart for me. It was the mixture. It felt so awkward and way out there. I don't know. I was okay with it just because of the nature of the story and the inspiration from the books. So I, it felt fine for me. Like, I didn't really have any serious problems with it. Just... Yeah. I don't know, maybe it's just because it was inspired by a book. Like, if it if they just started doing that and there was, like, no book at all, I guess it probably wouldn't have worked as well. But I, it didn't really bother me that much. Yeah, yeah, I was okay with it. Fair enough. One thing I'll say, though, is the... I don't know, the cinematography. I just saw a lot of ways also where they could have... 
I don't know, enhance the story with it, but it felt just kind of like, it just felt kind of aimless, and I don't know, it just wasn't composed as well as it could have been. Like, 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 like a fair amount of the shots were just kind of aimless, and when they could have been used to really, like, you know, cinematography is obviously supposed to, like, make you feel something. I've heard it, like, used to be, like, taking the audience by the back of the head and forcing them to see it the way you see it. <laughs> there were a lot of ways where they could have done that to their advantage, and they didn't, and I was just kind of disappointed. Like, oh, you could have used this kind of shot here, and it would have looked great, but... I don't know. I think they were yeah. trying to substitute that with the cuts to the animation to depict how Greg saw the world, right? Yeah. And th I think they, they thought to themselves they could skip out on cinematography. Uh, maybe. Like, that could have been the thought process. Yeah, it definitely could have been. They could have been, like, saying, well, we'll, we'll just show them through the animations. We'll fix it in post. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> three words you never ever want to say or hear we'll fix it for oh feel dumb we'll fix it in five oh that was okay well five words we'll fix it in post breaking news and that would be six too if you if you you know technically say we will fix it in post but we'll fix it in post we'll be right back after i teach jonathan how to count uh <laughs> See you guys later. Peace. Wait, wait. What are these? What are these like symbols that look like a line and a circle with a line on it on my keyboard right now? Something looks kind of like an A, but the leg is chopped off. What is that? Two O's, two O's stacked on top of each other. Yes, those are the ancient symbols of my people. I will teach you about them. <laughs> okay, we should probably get back on topic. Okay, um, I think that's... Is that all for you? That's all for you. Yeah, yeah. Okay, um, quick thoughts. I think it was really funny how Greg said that, oh, all these school activities are so much work. <laughs> which is, I don't know, which is just kind of funny when that's like... Because like I was saying, if you're not, if you don't want to be like a scientist, then why are you wasting your time doing Science Olympiad if you don't think it's fun either? But, like, when Greg's entire goal in life at this moment is to be popular, him saying all these school activities are so much work, it just kind of shows you the kind of person he is. Or even for the most important thing in his life, he's not willing to lift a finger for it. Again, narcissistic sociopath, I'm telling you. Yeah. Um, oh, another thing. His, when, it, when his dad says, and it would only take for you to get bigger three months. That is, that's not true. It it takes to see like I mean you'll see some definitely you'll you'll see some changes if you do it consistently, but to get really like to the level where Greg was imagining himself, you'd need yeah more than three months. I'll put it that way, more than three months of, co of consistency in weightlifting. I don't. Does a twelve year old even produce enough testosterone to do that? Legit question. I don't. I don't know any. I don't. That that's a good point. No, no. I'm. I'm just saying that it takes more than three months to get ten pounds. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's that's not happening. <laughs> oh, and the uh, it's great to be me video. Oh, I love how the breakdancing oh. is another guy. That was a work of art. 
that might be the greatest thing that 20th Century Fox has ever produced right there. Like, forget the rest of the movie. That was just, oh. Did you notice that, though? That the guy who was actually breakdancing was actually, it wasn't even the guy in the rest of the video. It was a different actually, guy. Actually, I commented, I commented on that. Um, I was really confused because it looked like he was losing and then gaining weight while breakdancing. And I commented to that. I, I didn't know that... that I, I don't think that's how biology works <laughs> while we were watching the movie. <laughs> apparently being um, yourself, apparently like being the mental yourself, stimulus, like the was, mental enough stimulus was enough to spontaneously cause him to lose a good lose 30 pounds. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that's more like... I don't know, we're like 80 pounds or something like that. I, just, I, I wanted I to be know. polite, man. You had to go and ruin it, didn't you? You had to go and ruin it. I, 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 maybe I'm like Rowley. I can't pick up on social cues. <laughs> you never know. Hopefully, hopefully not. Ty will be my mentor. You will teach me. You'll teach me your ways. Okay, so do you have any quick thoughts, Ty? Uh... Oh, I will say one thing. Their use of side plots might have been definitely one of the worst that I've uh, that I've seen in a while. For example, the cartoonist stuff, they hint at it with the whole school newspaper thing and the safety and then he's offered the role of the newspaper and it's just these very it's a very scattered focus, you know what I mean? They can't hone in on that subplot for more than about a second. And so by the time that the resolution to that subplot rolled around, I was really confused because I had honestly, all of those little bits had basically just passed out of my mind because that's all they were. They were just non-existent. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely see what you mean there. Yeah, they just kind of come out of left field and fade off. Yep. Um, well, if that's it, you want to give your final opinion and summary? <clears throat> I did not like this movie. <laughs> I think uh I think most of you all were expecting that. There were this is one of those movies where it's not even the negative counteracts the positive. There was pretty much nothing. Gosh, I'm getting really used to saying that, aren't I? Uh, there was nothing that I enjoyed about this movie. Well, to be fair, the jokes were pretty on point. Sometimes. But, for the most part, I found it fairly uninteresting. The story was unsatisfying. The character growth was unsatisfying. And, you know, it's similar to Kirk Cameron, actually. Uh, you know, go ahead and check that episode if you if you want to see our magnum opus. Bio. <laughs> um, in that it wasn't necessary it wasn't the same kind of quality it wasn't the same kind of bad as where you're saying to yourself that well what it, what it was it was almost the kind of bad that sucks away at your soul albeit on a much lesser scale compared to Kirk Cameron like that that movie was just on a whole nother level 
It, it, Dude, awesome. after you watch that movie, it feels like you've just done a workout. You just feel so drained. You you really do. Like, you don't want to move. Mentally speaking, your brain has pretty much just checked out. It's done. And I feel I get the same kind of feeling here. Um, Even though, in terms of quality, it may not merit that, actually. it's And it's the same thing with that we talked about on Kirk Cameron. Please go check that episode out seriously. But uh yeah, on the whole I'd say G3 hmm 3.5 I'll split it. Uh I definitely see more in this movie than I think you do. I I don't know. I I know there's just more of this movie that I guess appeals to me personally, I think probably is what it comes down to. And I don't know, it's just the story unfolds in a way where I'm okay with the way it ended. And I think his redemption, it, 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 even though it wasn't even, it wasn't perfect, it wasn't great, it wasn't really anything good. It wasn't anything, period. Let's just... <laughs> it, felt, it felt good enough for me to where I'd warrant this movie a 5 out of 10. All in all, I don't think it deserves anything less than that because it's really, in my opinion, not a horrible movie. It doesn't feel like you can you can get through, you can watch this movie and not be like you can just be like oh yeah that wasn't very good and you can just kind of move on with your life. But it does have some redeemable qualities, at least to me. So I'd give this one a five out of ten. Let's just split the difference and go with four. Yep. Okay. Sounds good. So, together, the Narrative Calculus Podcast gives Diary of a Wimpy Kid a 4 out of 10. So, before you head off, let's go ahead and stick around for a quick Bible reading. Why don't, in um, in honor of Greg and all his wisdom, why don't we read a proverb? Yeah, that seems like a good idea. Okay. This is going to be a bit of a longer one, but... Proverbs 15, if you want to grab your Bible, follow along, or maybe just the Bible app. I don't know. I won't judge. (laughs) Answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise uses knowledge rightly, but the mouth of fools pours forth foolishness. The eyes of the Lord are in every place. Keep watching on the evil and the good. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness it breaks the spirit. A fool despises his father's instruction, but he who receives correction is prudent. In the house of the righteous there is much treasure, but in the revenue of the wicked is trouble. The lips of the wise disperse knowledge, but the heart of the fool does not do so. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. The way of the wicked is is an abomination to the Lord, but he who loves him who follows righteousness. Harsh discipline is for him who forsakes the way, and he who hates correction will die. Hell and destruction are before the Lord, so how much more the hearts of the sons of men. A scoffer does not love one who corrects him, nor will he go to the wise. A merry heart makes a cheerful countenance, but the sorrow of the heart, the spirit, is broken. The heart of him who has understanding seeks knowledge, but the mouth of fools feeds on right on foolishness. All the days of the afflicted are evil, but he who is of a merry heart has a continual feast. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure with trouble. Better is dinner of herbs where love is than a fatted calf with hatred. A wrathful man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger allays contention. The way of the lazy man is like a hedge of thorns, 
but the way of the upright is a highway. A wise son makes his father makes a father glad, but a foolish man despises his mother. Folly is joy to him who is destitute of discernment, but a man of understanding walks uprightly. Without counsel, plans go awry, but in the multitude of counselors they are established. A man has joy by the answer of his mouth. A word spoken in due season, how good it is. The way of life wins upward for the wise, that he may that he may turn away from hell below. The Lord will destroy the house of the proud, but he will establish the boundary of the widow. The thought of the wicked are an abomination to the Lord, and the words of the pure are pleasant. He who is greedy for gain troubles his own house, but he who hates bribes will live. The heart of the righteous studies how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours forth evil. The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayers of the righteous. The light of the eyes rejoices the heart, and a good report makes the bones healthy. The ear that hears the rebukes of life will abide among the wise, but he who disdains instruction despises his own soul. But he who heeds rebuke gets understanding. The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom, and before honor is humility. That concludes today's Bible reading. You hear that? Greg Hoffman's... Hoffman. Hefferly? Greg Hefley. Greg Hefley's of the universe. Pay attention to that, huh? Although, to be honest, we all do have a little bit of Greg Hefley in us, don't we? <laughs> That's a great way to end it. We do all have a bit of Greg Hefley in us. If you enjoyed this episode of Narrative Calculus, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, be sure to leave a five-star review down below and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Also, be sure to check some of our other episodes, such as our Kirk Cameron one, which you mentioned, and maybe our Rocky series. We really enjoy doing that one. And be sure to stick around also because pretty soon in this next week, we're going to be releasing our second episode in this, not trilogy, this four movies. Yeah, there is. Roderick Rules, which is, I believe, the best in the series, so you're not going to want to miss that. And we'll see you all on the next one. Bye, everyone. See you around. Uh, hombres. <laughs>